Stand Firm Ministries, Biblical Truth, taught by Dr. Shane Perez. Well, I'm excited about this year, um, this Christmas season this year, and I'm excited to see uh, what God's going to do. That should be the most exciting thing. I don't think there's better times than times of celebration, like at Christmas, like at Easter, where you can really let God impact you and change your life. One thing you've got to understand is we think of the, the Christmas story and Jesus in the manger and, and so forth, but you know it all started, it all started with Mary. And the Christmas story really couldn't happen unless people were willing to surrender to the will of God. And um, we read the Christmas story and read about these miracles and these great things that happen. And I don't know, I think a lot of times we think, well, well, God doesn't do that anymore. He doesn't just have angels appearing and speak to people through dreams and, and do miracles through a virgin and things like that. We just think that God doesn't do that anymore. That was a long time ago. But it's not that God can't and won't do those things anymore. I think a lot of us, our, our hearts are, are cold and we don't listen to God and we don't surrender to God. Today's sermon is entitled, The Calling of a Servant. And we're going to be focusing on Mary. We're going to look at uh, Luke chapter 1 and look at verses 26 through 38. And this is where the birth of Jesus was foretold. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, the town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with the child to give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant. Mary answered, May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. Now I think in the in the Catholic circles they give they give a lot of props to Mary. They make Mary very, very heavenly, very special in God's creation. But I think for reading God's word, what you get is she's just a normal person. I don't get anything from God's word that she was any different than the rest of us. The only thing we get really about Mary is that she was very young. But it wasn't anything that Mary did. It is what God did through Mary. 
One of the things I want us to get from looking at Mary's life is that the Lord was with Mary because Mary was with God. God was with Mary because Mary was first with God. From reading God's scripture, we see that it seems as, as Mary was a righteous young lady. And we sort of see that throughout scripture that God uses people that are righteous, that are following him. Noah in Genesis 6 chapter, in Genesis chapter 6 verse 9, it says this is account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. Do you remember what God had Noah do? Do you remember what God had David do? Uh, like even the, the story of, of John in Revelation, it said it was, he was in the spirit on the Lord's day when an angel appeared to him and sort of gave him a glimpse of what the future was going to be like. And I believe we can put Mary up there as well as she was a righteous person. And the reason why I bring that up is because we've got to understand, we've got to get sin out of our lives to be able to listen to God. I feel like sin is just like earmuffs you put on your ears. Like God could be talking to you all day and you just don't hear Him. You're shutting out the sound. And I believe in our day and age, I don't know what's happened to us, but it seems like Christians are compromising all the time with sin. It's to the point where we ignored sin for a few decades. Now we're to the point where we just embrace sin and think there's nothing wrong with it. Well, I can live any kind of lifestyle I want and, and I can get drunk and do all these other things that the worldly does. I can just do whatever I want because I'm saved by grace so I can indulge in sin. It's sort of the attitude of many Christians today. But I think when you have that attitude, what happens is you can't hear a God and God's not speaking to you. It's hard to listen to God when you don't seek Him. The first step in hearing God is obedience. Now I think a lot of us, what we do is we look back at our lives and we think, you know what, I'm not as bad as I used to be. I've come a long way. And most of us would probably testify to that. So we feel like, though, that that's an excuse. Because I'm not as bad as I used to be, I can still have a couple of, you know, these private sins that, that I indulge in or that I enjoy, and, and it's okay because I'm, near, I'm not near as bad as I used to be or not near as bad as my neighbor down the road. But that's not the case. It shouldn't be the case for us as believers. We should be sold out to God so that we live blameless lives. Doesn't mean we're going to be perfect, but most of us can follow God a lot better than we're doing. Most of us can look in our lives and find some areas that we need to clean up and clean it up a little bit better than what it's current at. As we look at the calling of a servant, make sure you understand to hear God, for him to speak to you, you need a clean life. You need to get sin out of your life. Next thing I want to look at is God will get you to do things 
that are not very logical, that doesn't make sense. In other words, God will get you to do some crazy things. And like in verse 31 here, the angel tells him, you will be with child and give birth to a son and you're going to give him the name Jesus. And he'll be great. But Mary did have a response to that. What was her response to that? Well, how are you going to do that? In verse 34, it says, how will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? Actually, God, what you're telling is going to happen, it's, it's sort of impossible. It's not logical. It's not physically impossible. That can happen. But you know what? God is not limited by really anything. God's got a purpose and he's got a plan. And we can ask God or we can question God. Well, God, I'm not sure how that's going to work out. Or well, there's no way that that could happen. We can even have that attitude, but at the end of the day, we need to be like Mary and just say, okay, God, I don't see how it's going to work, but whatever you say sounds good to me. I love how God will tell many people to do things that doesn't make sense to us, but also to everybody else as well. And honestly, that's the way it should be. Old Testament is full of examples, Noah, Abraham, Moses, and, and on and on, where he just appears to them and he tells them to do something crazy. Just insane and crazy, whether it's to, to build a boat or, or whether it's to go to a certain place and lead people or go to the Pharaoh of Egypt. He just tells them, these are some crazy things I want you to do. And almost every occasion, the person that he tells is like, I can't do that, God. You're talking to the wrong person. That person over there could do a much better job than me. Or that person over there is much more qualified. They got the skills. I don't. I can't do it. In fact, that's not even logical or doesn't even seem possible in my mind as well. We've got to understand that's what God does over and over and over again. I probably don't share enough of, of, of ways that God has worked in my life. And one of the reasons why I, I don't, I feel like sometimes um, people feel like maybe I'm bragging a little bit. And maybe I am a little bit. But I'm not bragging about me. I'm bragging about God. Because God has done some crazy things in my life. I, I'll just I'll maybe share a couple with you. I'll share one for sure. My life story is I um, graduated high school and then wanted to go to college. I went to a local college for a couple of years and then things got a little interesting in my personal life and I had an opportunity to move to Texas, Baytown, Texas. So I moved to Baytown, Texas and then went to school at Houston Baptist University. It's actually changed its name now, a little sad, but... Um, so I went to college for a couple of years and eventually sort of ran out of money. I never had much support from, from family, so I was making it on my own. I'd work and try to go to college, and I'd borrow a ton of money, which was a terrible idea. But I was making it through college, but ended up to the point where I sort of ran out of money, car breaking down, uh, couldn't get any more loans or so forth. So it's like, okay, can't quite finish my degree. 
So my sister in Florida offered, hey, you can come over here and live with us and we'll help you get your feet uh, on the ground again. So I took a, advantage of that opportunity, went over to Florida, tried to even go to school a little bit there, uh, Clearwater Christian College, uh, went for a little bit, but could never finish a degree. And finally, you know what, I just gave up. It's like, I got I to gotta work and I got to get me an apartment. I got to you know, make sure I have some transportation and so forth like that. So then God uh, gets me back on my feet again and, and get out on my own and then eventually end up getting married, getting ready to have kids. And then guess, guess what God tells me to do? You need to go back to school. I was like, wait a minute, God. Let's, let's, let's rewind a little bit. I don't know if you remember, God, when I was in school, you know, like from first to maybe about eighth or ninth grade, I was a really good student. Um, and I did my work, and I made decent grades. But then something happened between, like, ninth grade and twelfth grade, and even my first, like, four years of college. Yes, I've been to college many, many years, and still, because I transferred to one school to another, still didn't have my degree, even though I'd been to school, been to college for like four years. And during those times, I, I tried to go to class most of the time, but did my work maybe halfway, and was not a very good student. I did pass all my classes, um, but many times it was barely. And that was back when I was a... Uh, a little younger, and that was my time to study. But now that I'm older and I'm getting serious about life and, and career and marriage and family and all these things, then God knocks on my door, says, you need to go back to school. I'm like, eh, those days are long past. My wife has got her degree. She's good. <laughs> we got one in the household. We'll, we'll take it. But God tells me to go back to school. It's like, I'm not sure how it's going to work out. I don't even know what school to go to. I don't know if I can afford it and all these other things. I didn't want to go in debt anymore. I'd been in debt enough and still am from student loans. But I didn't know how it was going to work out. But God said, go back to school. And guess what I did? Okay, God, this probably isn't going to work out really good. But I'll take the first step. Then I'll take the second step. Then I'll take the third step. And guess what happened? I went back to school, found a nice little online school that I could go to. Actually, it was in Georgia, and I was living in Florida at the time. And I graduated with my bachelor's degree. I don't even know what it was in. It was either religion or a Bible. Everybody, every school I went to, they would change the names. But I graduated with a bachelor's degree, and then the doors opened up for me to get my master's. I got my master's. And the funny thing of all of it, where I think the real miracle is, is that I started making really good grades. I was never a very studious student all throughout my uh, younger days. But then as I got older, I don't know, maybe the classes were just uh, easier or maybe I, my wife put more pressure on me. or I don't know what the solution is, but I ended up making pretty good grades and end up eventually getting my doctorate degree. And I look back, and if you, I don't know if you know me very well. I'm not the smartest rat in the hole. And it's pretty funny how what God has done with me in the area of education. 
For many, many years, I thought I was going to be one of those that was a dropout of college and never got a degree. And then God opens up uh, doors for me to get a doctorate degree. And people hear that and they think you're smart. And I'm trying to explain to young people as uh, I teach high school or so forth, it's not about how smart you are, it's about persistence. You just do the work. Do the work to the best of your ability and just make it through. God allowed me to do that and it's neat to see. For you, it may not be a big deal, but in my life, that was a really big deal. And I look back on it and I see just what God was doing. Another point in my life, I was working at a, I was at a manager at a vet clinic. Naturally, making what I thought was pretty good money. That was my, uh, the highest paying job I had had up to that time. And my wife, uh, we just got married and um, didn't have any kids. And when we both had jobs and, and um, didn't have a ton of bills and just living in a small apartment. And we was living a pretty good life. We'd travel around. We was living in Florida. We'd travel around a lot because we had extra money to do that. Then God tells me to do something crazy. It so happened while I was at the vet clinic, I was in charge of hiring people to take care of the kennel. And I, uh, this one guy was brought in, and the doctor that run the vet clinic, he said, hey, this is, um, <clears throat> we need to hire this guy because he's uh, uh, one of our friends that works up the road there. So just hire him. And he may not be here that long, but just hire him uh, for at least a little bit. So we hired him on, and it ended up that he was coming um, fresh out of a rehab facility. And so I hired him and I was working with him um, every day, just working with him and asking him questions and learning more about his life and his testimony and about the rehab facility. Then God started stirring my heart. It's like, wow, this may be a very interesting place to work. So I asked him, it's like, are they hiring people? Do you think I could get a job there? And he's like, yeah, it'd be easy for you to get a job. Um, They're always looking for people. So I went and I interviewed and they hired me. But the kicker is, the pay was half what I was making before. So I go home, and, and we're talking through this with my wife, and she thinks I'm a little crazy. She's like, we can't do that. You know, we have a little extra money here and there, but we can't afford for you to cut your salary in half. And it might have even been a little bit less than half. It's like, yeah, but, but, but God's telling me to do it. I really feel like I need to do this. And she prayed about it, and then God moved her heart. And then he took me to the rehab facility to work. Didn't know how we was going to make it, but guess what? We made it. I didn't starve to death. I didn't lose my one-bedroom apartment. Um, still made it through. Well, think about God. He's in the business of when you're obedient to him, He's in the business of providing. This is a story maybe you're more familiar with. When we started the school here, I quit a full-time job. Uh, Really didn't have any extra money, just making it paycheck to paycheck. And we had nine students our first year. I think we had four teachers. You can do the math. I think our tuition was... Maybe about 3,000 per, per student. And two of those students were my own. 
So we had like seven paying students. We had four salaries to pay. Uh, and it wasn't a lot of money. Now remember we, when we saw that we weren't going to have a lot of students the first year, we all met together and we had to make a decision. What do we do? I think I could probably still get my job back or get a, a full-time teaching job somewhere so I could provide for my family. So I knew that was an option, but this is something God told us to do, and we all felt very strongly about it, so we decided to stay with it. Okay, God, it looks like we got about enough funds for last us about three months. If we're lucky, we might make it to Christmas. And here we are many years later. God is in the business of providing. Now, I left out a lot of details as I shared just some of the tidbits of my life. I left out the details about me being frustrated at me failing at things and being angry with God. God, this was your idea. This was your plan. Why is this not working out? But it was usually just delayed and then it would all work out. Many times of doubts. Many times of failures. I didn't give you all the details of that, but, it's, but it was all there. That's part of the story as well. I look at my life, and I look at it as being a miracle. Where I grew up, how I grew up, the things that I did when I was younger to end up to where I'm at today, that didn't have anything to do with me. Just I like give God a little bit. And he'd be faithful. I'd trust him, give him a little bit more. A little bit more. This is a roller coaster. Up and down. Sometimes I would say yes. Sometimes I'd say not now. But God can do amazing things. I never intended to be a preacher. I don't even like talking in front of people to this day. But look where I'm at today. Our God is an awesome God. And he does amazing things to us. I put in my notes up there. We're more excellent, guys. The reason why I put that up there, I want to remind myself to tell you a story about this guy who I met in um, Saluda, North Carolina. A little bit far away from Baytown. And I was thinking about it as I was thinking about this individual. I was like, I wonder, he might have worked here in Baytown. I'm not sure. I do know a couple of things about him. He worked for Exxon. And he was a helicopter pilot. And he would take people, he would transport them to the rigs out there in the water. So he lived a pretty good life. He was making some money. I was looking up the salary. I wonder how much a helicopter or pilot makes for Exxon. It's over 100000 a year, which in my book is a lot of money. So he was living pretty good. But why did I meet him in Saluda, North Carolina? We don't have any uh, refineries up there. There's no rigs to, to take people to. The reason why I met him there because he was up there going through training to go on the mission field. He'd quit his Exxon job. And now he was going through training to go to the mission field to be a helicopter pilot for missionaries. To take the, them to places and take supplies to places that was very hard to get to. I feel like we used to hear more stories about that. More stories where somebody would do something crazy. They would give up a, a huge paycheck in their career and they would just go into the full-time ministry. And they would go from living a life of luxury and nice houses or so forth to go living on the mission field. 
Seems like we used to hear more stories about that. Seems like we don't hear as many anymore. Seems like ministry has almost just become a profession. Ministers are getting paid quite well today. And you can make a very good career in, in Christian music or other things like that. But where are the stories about the guy from Exxon? About people just showing up for church and say, hey, pastor, I got a testimony to tell. This is what God laid on my heart. This is what I'm going to do. We need some more crazy stories because God does crazy things in our lives. He wants us to step out in faith and do some crazy. I feel like today we're a little too sane for that. Maybe a little, a little too proper. We have to analyze everything. We have to have all these security blankets everywhere and not willing to put ourselves out there. We're going to look at Mary's response in verse 38. I love her response. The angel appeared to him and said, Mary, something crazy going to happen. I got some crazy plans for you. Mary responds, well, that's really not possible. How is that going to work? And God is like, don't worry about it. I got it. And then Mary says in verse 38, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. In other words, Mary just decided to surrender. Says, I will do what you tell me to do. I am your servant. I am here to serve you. And the question is, is that the same attitude that you have? Do you feel like you are here to serve God? You know, a lot of Christians, we think that God's there to serve us. That's why we get mad when he doesn't do what we want him to do. Well, God, I, I want this and I prayed about it and, and I just need it and really that changed my life and this will be really good for me and I can use it for good. God, I just need you to do that. And God will say, no, that's not my plan. Then we'll get mad about it. Well, I'm not going to listen to you anyway. I'm going to go out and do it on my own. God's like, you were doing it on your own anyway. But Mary had a great attitude. As we come across the Christmas season, it all starts with one little girl being a servant to God. And God did amazing things through her just because she was willing. And God can do amazing things through us if we are willing. So don't miss out on it. You're not here for comforts. You're not here to enjoy life and to have fun and, and to gather all the most toys and, and feel like you're going to win in that way or to pursue a career or have lots of money. That's not what your life should be about. You are here to do the will of God. You look around and see the crazy things that are going on in the world. We always want to blame somebody else. I think many times God is looking at us. He says, go look in the mirror. You won't listen to me. Don't worry about anybody else. 
You need to listen to me. You need to surrender. You need to submit to me. You need to understand. You need to have the right attitude that I am God and you need to serve me. I am not here to serve you. I know there's so much going on in your life. There's so much going on in my life and so many distractions, especially this time of the year. There's always something going on. Uh, Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. Sometimes it's just busy. But we need to make sure that we reflect on the big picture. What is the most important thing in your life? And if it's not God, make it God. Make it being a servant of the Most High God. The family hiding from the storm Found no place at the keeper's door It was for this a child was born To save a world so cold and hollow A sleeping town they did not know That lying in a manger Savior King who had no home has come to heal our sorrows. Is there room in your heart? Is there room in your heart? Is there room in your heart for God to write His story? Counting sheep at night Do not fear the glory light You are precious in His sight God has come to raise the lowly Is there room in your heart? Is there room in your heart? You are 
hopes this lesson encourages you and equips you to minister to others with your walk as a Christian. We would love to hear from you. Drop us an email at Ministries at yahoo.com. 